In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, as I mentioned before the service, tonight we celebrate our six-year anniversary. And for those, uh, let's just see a show of hands. Who is here for that first, that first Sunday? So, yeah, a few of us. Um, others have been here nearly since the beginning, but not quite. And I know many of you have been attending here since you uh, moved to the area or began coming to Biola. And so it's been, a, it's been a great six years in many ways, not without some challenges and some ups and downs, but God has certainly shown himself uh, faithful to us. And I don't make a, a big deal really at all every year about my birthday, for example. Uh, Christina is more of that person in our family. She likes to celebrate her birthday, which is unfortunate because she's married to someone who doesn't think like that. And I think my boys are a bit wired like me, um, but thankfully Christina makes the rest of our days very special, and we we make hers maybe a little less so. But but I I don't think every anniversary is necessarily a call for revisiting what God has done. But it seems maybe particularly appropriate this evening to do that a little bit because uh, tonight's our annual meeting uh, as well. It often falls that way that we celebrate our anniversary Sunday and then have the annual meeting that night. Uh, that was not intentional that I can recall, but it often happens that way, and so, um, but tonight does give us an opportunity, and the scriptures give us an opportunity to, to think a little bit about where we've come from and where we're going, and I think this year in particular, it might be important to think about where we're going in part because of the discipleship plan, which I've mentioned multiple times here, and I trust you have all seen, and if you haven't, we can certainly get you uh, a copy of that, um, but as I was thinking about and, and, and praying over the, the lessons this week, it was that First Thessalonians passage that really caught my attention. Oh, and I should say here so that you don't catch me in some sort of a lie, but um, last week I mentioned we were switching to the ACNA lectionary uh, this week. That did not happen. We're going to actually do that at the beginning of Epiphany for different reasons. So this is the revised common lectionary reading. So if you read in advance and are wondering where we got these readings from, that's where. So year C, revised common lectionary. And so I was thinking about the First Thessalonians passage this week and and um, Paul says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? Now, of course, he's talking to the believers in Thessalonica, um, and this might be the oldest, the first church that Paul actually established. This letter is often thought to be one of the oldest and first written of the Pauline epistles, but that's because, in part, this is likely the oldest church, that when Paul began going around and, and doing missions work, that the, these, uh, the men and women of Thessalonica were from some of the first to respond, and hence the, the church in Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, are some of the oldest Christians, if you will. And, and I know Paul is talking to these believers, but what a great question. For what thanksgiving can we return to God? And I think that's a great way to frame a way to think about tonight in the past six years and, Lord willing, the future 60 years that this parish will, Lord willing, outlast me, if not all of us in the room right now, what a great thing that would be. Of course, we'd also be happy, given that it's Advent, if Christ came back today, tomorrow, whatever he wants. But for what Thanksgiving can we return to God? And, and the answer here, or this, this question is, is an echo, if you will, of Psalm 116, verse 12, wherein the psalmist had already asked, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? which itself is just a great question, is it not? Like, 
What shall I render to the Lord for all those benefits to me? With what thanksgiving can we return to God? And I think the answer is twofold, even though there's, there's more coming out from the prayer that follows this initial question. And Paul seems to answer the question himself by saying this, well, we can give thanks to God for all the joy that we feel. And again, Paul's saying that about the Thessalonians, but it should be true of each of us as well. We, we can return thanks to God for the joy that we feel. And not just because we get to be a parish together, though that's joyful in and of itself, that we get to celebrate with one another the, the ups and the downs of life, that we have prayed many people out of this church who have gone on to do work that God has called them to do, and that's always sad yet joyful. We're going to be joyful next week in particular as, we baptize, as I baptize Nehemiah and we see another person come into the church of Jesus Christ. And so we had the joy of six confirmations back in June when the bishop was here. We're going to have the joy in 2019, thanks be to God, of seeing Steve Barber ordained to the diaconate and Lord willing to the priesthood in the same calendar year. And so we can feel joy. There's, there's been a lot that has happened in our history, in our life, and a lot that's before us that we can be joyful for. But first and foremost, we should really be joyful for the things that Jeremiah, our reading from Jeremiah tonight, tells us to be thankful for. First of all, that a righteous branch has sprung up from David. So first and foremost, we should give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has provided a Savior for us. And here at the beginning of Advent, we anticipate the coming of Jesus. And you've heard it before, but I will say it again, that it's not just the coming in Bethlehem as the infant, but it's the second coming. It's both of those together. We hold those in tension throughout Advent, but it is about the babe coming in the manger. And so uh, God saw fit to have a righteous branch spring up from the line of David, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the Christ. And so we joy, we rejoice because as Christians, we, we, we know the Savior. So that's a great thing to give to be joyful for. And, and that's really what we exist to do as a parish, right? We don't, it's not a club. We don't, I mean, we like each other. At least I presume we all like each other, but that's not our primary reason to come and gather together. The main reason we come and gather together is to rejoice and give thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ. And our Eucharistically focused service does that for us, that no matter what happens in the readings and our singing and, and those other parts of the service, that we, we come to the table and we're reminded that Jesus yet again condescends to come down to us so that we can partake of his flesh and his blood. So let us give joy for that. Let us be thankful and rejoice in this gift of the Savior. Second, let us also be thankful that he, in coming and in his coming again, will execute justice and righteousness in the land. These are not easy days to be living in, though I don't think it's ever been easy to be alive in the fallen world, to be blunt. My parents are old enough to tell their version of how bad things were historically, right? And so I'm not trying to say our age is the worst, but we, we demand, we want justice. We, we want to see righteousness in all the lands of the earth. And in fact, we might not, on this side of the eschaton, we might not, while in these bodies, but yet when Jesus does come back, he will execute justice and righteousness. And so we long for it. We should be longing for it. If you don't, please do long for it, pray for it. We don't just pray for those who are in governing positions over us at the prayers of the people because it's like a nice and right thing to do. We do it, why? Because we want them to exercise love and justice and mercy as those elected officials. And so 
God sent Jesus to save us, and he will send Jesus again as the King of King and Lord of Lords, as we thought about last week and celebrated last week, to execute justice and righteousness. So although we in the world cries out in agony for our full redemption, Jesus will make all things right. Now we get to partake in that in the here and the now. We must be people of justice and righteousness. We must be people of conviction. We must stand up for that which we know is true, mostly that which has been told, explained to us biblically, that what we know is biblically true, and we must stick to our convictions. Even if that means standing against others, we do it in a way that's charitable and loving. But we side with the truth, we side with God, so that we can help be the agents of justice and righteousness in the land as we await Jesus' full return. And again, we don't do that in our strength just because we do nothing in our strength. But we do that as strengthened by the grace of God and by his Holy Spirit. Let us not forget that. That the struggle for righteousness and justice is not one of our own. It's one that God has empowered us to do. And the third reason to be joyful, according to Jeremiah, is because Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. When Christ does come back, all will be called up. All will be made right. All will be perfected in the light of God. And so again, although things are not there yet, though we can strive for that, though we can celebrate our salvation and the gift of salvation and share it with others, and though we can help be people of justice and righteousness in the land, ultimately it will be the coming of Jesus Christ that will make Judah be saved and secure Jerusalem. And what a great day that will be before when it happens, there will be no question that it is done. It is finished. That Jesus' ongoing crucifixion on our behalf will be made right, and it will be finished. And so, again, Advent is about anticipating that, waiting for that, longing for that, but yet somehow celebrating it at the same time, right? The, the famous already and the not yet, the in-between time, where we look both backwards and forward at the same time, realizing that we do live in the in-between. So we have a lot to be joyful for as a parish, but yet these are reasons to be joyful as believers who live in the world in light of the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let us be joyful. Sure, let us be joyful with one another horizontally, right? Let us make our potlucks as joyful as possible, right? Let us make our services joy-filled. If we don't know the service music, let's at least sing it as best we can, joyfully, as unto the Lord. We will learn it. If there's a hymn that's unfamiliar to us, let us sing it joyfully and unto the Lord. If you're new or newer here and you're still struggling just to figure out the service and now Father Greg is facing the wrong direction than what you're used to, it's okay, right? We are doing this together. We are worshiping together, and that should give us joy. But let us take joy in this parish. God led us to start something, and we have built something here with God's grace and assistance. And we look to the future. We don't look back and rest on any laurels if there are any. Instead, we look forward to what God will keep doing in us and through us and in spite of us. So what Thanksgiving can we return to God? All the joy that we feel. Second, coming back to Thessalonians, that we can also return thanks to God because we get to see one another face to face and supply what is lacking in our faith. And again, that's that more horizontal way of thinking about our life together. Paul longed to get back 
to the Thessalonians. He wanted to see them. That's the, the original context here. He, he wanted to see them face to face. He wanted to, to hear their stories, but he also wanted to help supply them what's lacking in their faith. And what an odd phrase, because many of us perhaps might think that faith is kind of something that we have, something that we do, and how could it be lacking? But others of us might be going through seasons where we say, I, I, I'll tell you how faith can lack, because I'm experiencing it right now. The point is, is we're all lacking in our faith to some extent. And we need one another to build one another up, to love one another, and to love God through one another. The beautiful thing about the church is that in one sense, each one of us is the fullness of the church, and each parish is the fullness of the church, but yet at the same time, none of us are the fullness of the church, and no one parish is the fullness of the church either. We need one another. We complement one another. We complete one another, if you will, to think of a marriage metaphor from the scriptures. And so we need one another. And so God called us six years ago to, to launch this parish in a sense that there were people in this community who wanted to, wanted to be with one another, to help uh, bring what is lacking and supply what is lacking in each other's faith. And I think we've been doing a decent job of that in the past six years. Fallen, yes. Spirit-led, hopefully. But in our brokenness and in our um, attempt to be good disciples of Jesus, we long to see each other face to face to build one another up. So let us keep doing that into the future. Let us long for this church to be a place where many people can come and have their lacking faith built up. Not because we have the answers, but because we're willing to walk with people through those seasons. And so we can give thanksgiving to God for the joy we feel for all that he has done and will do for us and in us and through us and in spite of us. And we can give thanksgiving to God because we have the opportunity to be with one another week in and week out, day in and day out, face to face, to build up one another in the faith. But again, Paul longs to see them. So we, we think about what is the future. We, we think about what has God called us to do from the start, but also maybe what in particular he's calling us to do and to be at this very moment, at this point in our history. So scholars have noted, commentators have noted that, that after the first two verses of our reading from Thessalonians tonight, that Paul now finishes the first half of the book. I mean, we're just reading a section of Thessalonians, jumping in here at the end of chapter 3, but this prayer, verses 11 through 13, are the concluding part to the first half of the book of Thessalonians. And so let's think with Paul that, that, that even though he wants, he's joyful and he wants to give thanks to God for the joy he feels and he gives thanks to God for being able to supply what is lacking in their faith and to see them face to face, Paul then prays, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way. Again, in the context, it's direct our way to you. Paul is saying, I want to come to see you. But, but let's think together how we can have... Um, God, direct our way. Paul and his companions long to see again the Thessalonians face to face. So they pray that God will direct their way to them. Paul feels deep affection for the Thessalonians, so he wants to build relationships. He doesn't just want to be out and about planting churches. He sees the value of investing in people who have already organized themselves into a local church, so much so that he asks God to direct his way back to them. So let us think about the way that we can be open to how God directs us, both to be a church that keeps building up relationships with one another, 
but perhaps also to be a church that doesn't just build up relationships with one another, but takes the message of the gospel beyond these walls. So perhaps a bit of the reverse of what Paul is praying for. Paul is out there planting churches, longing to come back. We have the benefit of being together, so let us long to go out. And just a reminder that when we have that dismissal, the post-communion prayer and the dismissal, if you, if you notice and pay attention week after week, those are a sending out moment. Let us go out to do the work that God has given us to do. Right? Let us go forth rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or however, we, you know, uh, Father Steve often invites us to, to be dismissed, but I mean, that is a sending out. God wants to send us out to do the work that he's given us to do. And that includes bringing others to this parish. It includes talking about Jesus and the Christian faith when opportunity arises. So many of us, and this is, this is, a, this is a, not a bad thing, so many of us, for example, work at Biola. And so, or other Christian schools, so, or, or just we, we, everyone we know is a Christian. Right? Or at least almost nearly everyone knows a Christian. How can we be thinking about the future again so that we can have God direct us to go to people? I think that's something we need to be praying about and thinking about, and hopefully that our discipleship plan will begin to address as well as we strive to implement it. And then in verse 12, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Let us continue to ask God to give us a deep and abiding love for one another. I like the way one commentator said it. Paul's apostolic mission was the creation of communities of faith and practice. That's what Paul did. That's what he was about. Go out and establish communities of faith and practice. But not simply for the sake of some sort of in-group, but, as the text says right here, for all. And so again, let us think about the way that we need to get beyond this community beyond these walls, if you will, and think about the way that the gospel is for all and how Paul modeled that. And though he longed to be with the Thessalonians, right, he was called by God to be out there doing other work. And so again, as God sends us out each and every Sunday, may we pray for opportunities to, to share this with others. Let's not simply think of Ace or let Ace become an in-group of people who like one another, but instead to be a vibrant parish that's always inviting everyone into this community. And that will take effort on our part. It will take getting to know your neighbors, getting to know strangers, and already I'm feeling the weight of that as my mildly introverted self compared to some of the more severely introverted folks in this parish. But, but at the same time, introverted or extroverted doesn't matter. It's a call that God has placed upon us. And we need to be making the effort. And then finally, in verse 13, Paul says, May he, God, establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. I mean, that's also what it comes down to, is it not? That not only do we want to be with one another, but we want God to send us out and invite others into this work we're doing. And at the same time, we want to do all of that so that we can grow in holiness before God. The Gospel of Luke that we read tonight says, Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape. And that escape is the, the coming judgment. Stay awake at all times. It's, it's that kind of perspective. It's, we need to be ready 
to meet Jesus when he returns. Advent, again, points us to that. And, and the way to be ready for that is to be holy and prepared. So again, we don't do this of our own selves. We, we do it because God has given us his spirit. But as we surrender ourselves to the work of God in our life, and as we continue to, to grow in holiness, as we continue to be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, then we are living into that prayer. So Epiphany, members of Epiphany, congregation gathered here, as we move into our seventh year of being a parish together, as we move into this new liturgical year, as we anticipate the first and second comings of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us, let us long to be together with one another. Let us long and make effort to increase and abound for love for one another and for all. Let us be people who invite others into the space. And at the same time, let us be people who grow in holiness together. I think this is exciting days for us, right? Again, we've developed this discipleship plan. You're, you're going to keep hearing about it because it, it, it's, become our, it's become a vision for our future, I think. And again, we're going to begin this Friday with the fasting initiative that if you can, as you're able to fast between breakfast and dinner or more if you want, less if you need to, but to do that together corporately. That when you're feeling hungry on Friday because you're fasting, you know that you're not alone. That there's other members of this parish who are fasting with you. And to commit that time to prayer, to, to find the time in our busy schedules to go without food, yet to give ourselves over to more intentional prayer. And prayer for this parish. Prayer for that discipleship plan. Prayer for yourself and where you fit in it. Prayer for the ways that God can use that to reach others for the ways in which that discipleship plan can involve you and contribute to your own growth in holiness. Again, these are exciting days. Six years ago tonight, I wasn't stressed because I rarely get stressed. But boy, I certainly prayed that we wouldn't burn down this building or that we wouldn't forget something that seemed necessary to our common life together. Bread or wine or worse, people. Right? That we wouldn't have the readings and no one would be able to read, that, that we wouldn't be prepared. And, and, and again, I mean, I'm sure I was consumed and thinking a lot about those things that night and others too had, who had gotten on board. I mean, Jessica's been overseeing the altar guild since day one, for example. But whatever, I don't recall that service actually, though we didn't burn the building down. I'm convinced that we had a Eucharist. <laughs> that we had everything necessary for our common life together, and God has continued to show himself faithful to us for the past six years. So now let us move forward into the future with these things in mind, guided by God's Holy Spirit. Let me just conclude. I, want, I have to shift gears a little to do this, but I want to do it. I won't read the whole poem, but I read Christina Rossetti's Advent Sunday poem today, and I'm just going to read the first stanza. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out with lighted lamps and garlands round about to meet him in a rapture with a shout. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.